0: You're listening to Music Tectonics.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Music Tectonics, the podcast that explores all the shifts where music and tech meet. I'm your host, Tristra Neuer-Yeager, Director of Strategy at Rock, Paper, Scissors, the music tech PR firm. Today we're speaking with Athen Bilius and Brett G. Porter, both music technologists in different roles about MIDI 2.0 and how it's shaping what we're hearing and creating. Athen is the president of the MIDI Association and he'll tell you more about what exactly that means in a moment, but just for a general definition, it's a broad cross-industry coalition of MIDI makers and movers and shakers working to bring new aspects of the protocol to more people. He was a driving force behind some of pretty legendary synths at Korg and Yamaha, and Brett is lead software engineer at Artifon, a company we talked a lot about on a recent episode with Artifon CEO Mike Butera. Brett has also been a guest before on Music Tectonics, and it is a real pleasure to have him back with us and to have you with us, Athan. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Oh, it's great to be here.
1: Awesome. Yeah, excellent. So. First, um, for listeners who may not be as deeply familiar with MIDI, I mean, we've all heard of it. We all know it does something behind the scenes to make um, synthesizers and other music-making apparatus work. Can you two give us a short, sweet definition and and maybe even a history of the protocol?
2: Uh, Sure. So MIDI, it stands for Musical Instrument Digital Interface, and it's an industry-standard music technology and it's a protocol that connects digital musical instruments, computers, tablets, and smartphones from many different companies. So let's um, unpack that sentence a little bit. Uh, a, a couple of things that are important is anytime you want to connect a, a, a digital musical instrument to another digital instrument, musical instrument, you use MIDI. But probably more importantly... Anytime you want to connect a digital musical instrument to a computer, a tablet, or a smartphone, you also use MIDI. So one of the amazing statistics about MIDI is how many MIDI devices there are on the planet. Uh, With the adoption, every Apple computer has MIDI. Every uh, Microsoft uh, 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 computer has MIDI. And an awful lot of Google Android phones have MIDI. every uh, Apple iPhone has MIDI. so when you total that all up, there are more than there are probably more than two some, somewhere around two point five billion MIDI devices on the planet now most of those are are computers, tablets, and smartphones. Uh, MIDI is used every day around the world by musicians, DJs, producers, educators, artists, and hobbyists to create and perform, learn, and share music and and artistic works. The reality is, is that if I had a giant switch and I could turn off MIDI, literally all of the Broadway shows would stop. Um, all uh, live performances would probably be, uh, st- uh, be unable to be performed unless it was uh, you know, a class- classical orchestral uh, things. Almost every show uses MIDI in some form, whether it's to control lights, to do some of the mixing. Even if they're not using digital musical instruments, they're using MIDI. Uh, a great example is uh, one of the things that would stop would be the fountains at the Bellagio Hotel. Um, the, the fountains are timed and all of the, the, the fountains are run actually by MIDI show Control. Uh, there are a lot of actual rides uh, uh, in theme parks that are run that do the animatronics using MIDI. So there's lots of times when you don't see MIDI, but you're actually you're actually uh, experiencing MIDI because it's behind the scenes. And one of the things we're trying to do with MIDI is make it more and more transparent. Uh, You know, most devices today connect uh, to uh, use USB to connect a digital musical instrument to their computer. And a lot of people who don't know a lot about MIDI will say, oh, I don't use MIDI. I use USB. When in reality, what they're doing is they're using a USB cable. To connect to their computer, and what the the language that's being sent is actually MIDI that's running over a USB cable. So, got that, it. That so, was an awful lot, but there's no, an it's awful great. Lot to MIDI.
1: <laughs> so, if super so super villains out there take note, if you want to grind the world to a halt and make everyone really sad, just you know, just. Un- unplug MIDI <laughs> so cool that's a really helpful um, really helpful introduction to why MIDI matters and why don't you tell us a bit more about the MIDI Association while we're at it Athan? Awesome.
2: sure so the the MIDI Association is uh, it's it's a it's a 501 c6 uh, trade association um, and so um you know we're we're a trade association uh the the NAM which is the the musical instrument uh, instrument trade organization we work very closely with them another example of a trade association is is CES consumer electronics show so that's very typical of of, of you know of trade associations we exist to help uh the the corporate our corporate members we're a member driven organization Uh, And we have some very interesting members as well. So uh, our members include Apple, Google, Microsoft, Analog Devices, Yamaha, Korg, Roland, uh, Native Instruments. I like to use these two companies as an example of how broad our reach is. We have Steinway, which is a company that has been in business for a very long time, a couple Mm of hundred years. And we also have Steinberg. Uh, which is a German software company so we go all the way between companies that are making hardware to companies that are making software I think the most interesting thing about the MIDI Association is that a majority of our members are very small um, companies that are some of them are in their startup phase uh, companies pay dues the large largest companies which have sales of over 1 billion a year you US which there are three of those Apple Google and Microsoft no surprise there they pay $20,000 in annual dues but a small company who has sales under 1 million dollars and the majority of our members are those smaller companies uh pay $600 a year so it's, it's very inexpensive to join as a, as a trade association and recently we have been much more active uh, as a trade association this year at the June uh 2022 NAM Show, which we are really looking forward to.
1: (laughs) I bet, yeah. Uh, There's
2: there's going to be a MIDI zone, and we've collected up all of our members into an area right at the front of Hall A. And we're there's actually NAM put us on the map. We're actually on the NAM map if you look at it. Uh, There's a MIDI zone, and all of the MIDI association companies are kind of grouped together in an area right at the front of Hall A. So, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty exciting time.
1: And it's also exciting because MIDI just got a major revamp, rethink upgrade. I don't know how exactly we want to phrase it in the last two years or so. And new um, products that take full advantage of this new uh, version of MIDI are starting to roll out. So, Brett, I was curious if you want to tell me a little bit about MIDI 2 And as someone who works with it regularly, sort of what it allows you to do that um, was a little tougher with the first version of Mini
3: sure and, and i think it's an important distinction to make that it's not really a new version it's midi but much much more so um, <laughs> cool it's built on you know entirely on the same fundamentals. so any bit of knowledge that a developer or musician has with you know almost 40 years now worth of accumulated midi gear and software it all applies directly to midi 2.0 um one of the cool things about midi for me has always been that it, it's a really simple system. You, you plug the two things together and they just kind of work. And something that's happened over the last 40 years since it was introduced is, the end user's expectation for those two words, just works, are very different now than they might've been in 1983. Um, so for instance, when I first bought a laser printer, you know, getting that thing working with my computer was a half a day exercise, and I write software for a living. Whereas now you go to the Staples, you buy a new HP LaserJet, you plug it into your computer, the printer and the computer talk to each other figure out who each other are what they need to do and everything just goes from there and those are the kinds of things that we're really going to see a huge increase in with midi 2.0 where through something called midi capability inquiry two devices can have a a conversation with each other and explain what kinds of things they can do, what kinds of things they can't do, and adapt to each other from that point on. So it's gonna become much, much more of a a plug and play, very high level, very rich experience. Uh, For any musicians who are used to using soft synthesizers inside of a digital audio workstation, there are capabilities that are very easy to do inside of that DAW environment that have until now, been very difficult to do over the wire with MIDI. And suddenly that distinction is going to go away. Um, Plus, on top of that, as if that wasn't enough, um, we've also developed an entirely new protocol that two devices who both speak this new MIDI 2.0, what they call UMP, uh, universal MIDI packet, they can agree to switch to that. And by doing so, Uh, they can suddenly start sending messages at a much higher rate of speed and a much higher resolution of data. So, you know, in, in the early eighties, when the original MIDI spec was created um, every bit on the wire was a very costly thing. Basically we had a very relatively slow channel to talk between any two devices and uh, the the amount of data we wanted to transfer, we wanted to keep as, as light as possible. And obviously in the modern era where we're sending, you know, megabits or gigabits of data every second, those, uh, constrictions have gone away. So let's take advantage of that. Let, let's blow up the size of our messages so that instead of sending 127 steps of various levels that you can have on how hard you hit a key or when you turn a knob, you know, that blows up to 4 billion. Uh, So it's, you know, higher resolution than the human ear or brain is able to process. It's plenty of space for us to move into the future, um, build new things on this new higher resolution, higher speed uh, backbone.
1: Wow, that sounds amazing. And I want to get some concrete examples from you in just a second. But before that, we're going to take a really quick break.
0: Eleanor here. Tickets are on sale now for the 2022 Music Tectonics Conference. Music tech innovators will gather in person October 25th through the 27th by the beach in the Los Angeles area. Join us at a special early bird rate, $249. The first 25 to register get a super early bird rate, just $199. Get to musictectonics.com to snap up your conference ticket at a great price. Your ticket gets you in to three days of programming in Santa Monica, California. Join us for panels, keynotes, exhibitors, a startup pitch competition, networking, and connecting. We've selected offbeat venues in easy walking distance of each other and the beach. If you're not getting my newsletter, head over to musictectonics.com now and sign up. You'll get updates on the music tech and innovation programming we're planning for this year's conference, and more. See you in California this October.
1: All right, we're back. We're back with Brett G. Porter and Bilius talking about MIDI 2. So, There are a huge expansion of capabilities that, Brett, you were just talking about. I'm wondering if you guys could give me some concrete examples either of actual products you know are coming down the pike or of theoretical products or things that you think are about to happen that um, use the full capabilities of MIDI 2.
2: Before we jump into what's coming in the future, I think mm. there's one point that we want to make very, very clear, because the biggest challenge that we had with with MIDI 2.0 uh, was the fact that we already talked about the fact that there were 2.5 billion MIDI 1.0 devices on the planet. Mm-hmm. And what we didn't want to do was throw that big switch where we broke all of those currently existing MIDI 1.0 devices. That was really the biggest challenge that we had uh, with MIDI 2.0. So what we did when we developed MIDI 2.0 was be very, very careful. The, the primary goal was to make sure that we had backward compatibility. And to explain it very simply, What we, what, the way that MIDI 2.0 starts off is, is it acts, asks a question. And it, it asks the question, do you understand anything new? And if it gets the answer back, that nope, <laughs> or it gets no answer because maybe it's not connected bi-directionally, um, it, the, the device just says, nope, or it doesn't answer, and we just fall back to MIDI 1.0. And, and the reason that that's so important is, we, we wanted to make sure that people would be able to plug in their gear that they have owned and loved for years and years. If you want to take that DX7 out of a closet or a Casio CZ101 and you want to plug it into your modern computer, you need to be able to still use that device. So it's really important that people understand that they're not going to have to buy new devices. They're not going to have to buy a new cable. It is all going to work in the context of backward compatibility with midi 1.0 devices Um, and the other thing i think that people have to understand about midi 2.0 is that it we have had 39 years now of development of the midi 1.0 ecosystem so there's literally if you want to find something something that you need to do with MIDI, you can go out and find it. You can find, uh, I was just, I was just on a phone call where somebody pulled out this little thing called a, a flick button. And it's a, it's a little teeny button that you can pull, put on your wall and you can, you can actually use it to ring a doorbell, but it also sends out MIDI messages. So you can push that button. It can send out a MIDI message to do anything that MIDI can do. So, the point is, is that there there are so many MIDI one point devices out there. We had to have that backward co- uh, co- uh, compatibility. Um, there are a lot of of there are a lot of things that are in development now, but I think we should talk about where we are with MIDI two because right now we're still in that phase where a lot of the information that's coming out is really still targeted to developers. Mm -hmm. Um, And so people go, well, what's going on with MIDI 2.0? I don't don't see MIDI 2.0 anywhere. Well, the reality is, is that Apple's Monterey operating system already announced support for MIDI 2.0 and MIDI CI. And just in the last two weeks, we found out that Google announced developer support for MIDI 2.0. So you have two of the major operating systems that are already supporting MIDI 2.0 you need that because commercial companies companies like Korg and Yamaha and and Artiphone mm-hmm. they're not really going to start jumping in and developing products until we have support uh, from you know from the major OS companies and so that people can you know they want to be able to use MIDI to connect to their computer so there's a lot of great infrastructure infrastructure stuff happening uh, and there is a Something of a chicken and an egg problem with MIDI 2.0, mm-hmm. but Apple and Google are pretty big chickens. So, that's <laughs> so we should I see
1: like some it. exciting eggs soon. <laughs> yes, and so now
2: we're in, and we're at that point. And the, and the other thing that I'll, I'll just mention really briefly is that everything in the world has been affected by. The pandemic,
1: absolutely, and, and
2: this is very true of development as well. We've, you know, it, it it has slowed everything down a little bit, and the MIDI Association is very aware of these challenges, and we've been trying to meet meet them head on. And so, one of the things that we are about to do is. We agreed to fund the development of a uh, a USB MIDI 2.0 prototyping device. It's being developed by Amino, which is a new company formed by MIDI 2.0 working group chair Mike Kent and Michael Lowe, who founded iConnectivity. We're about to ship out uh, um, uh, over 50 devices to 33 different companies around the world, and this is going to allow them to have a tool for prototyping. They'll be able to connect to both Android devices and Apple computers because this is a MIDI 2.0 prototyping tool it's actually a hardware device that is specifically made for prototyping so i know people are they're, they're a little bit frustrated because we we adopted the MIDI 2.0 protocol in 2020 you know think about that <laughs>
1: Yeah, the I was trying to remember what when when I first heard about MIDI 2.0, and that was I was like, oh my gosh, it's like two years ago. But that those two years were
2: it was the longest compl- two years exactly in the, of the planet extremely
1: complicated <laughs> years for tech. Yes,
2: yes. So literally, you know, January of 2020, we announced that, and then. March of 2020, the whole world changed. Uh, We're still having, uh, we're still dealing with with the fallout from that. Uh, the, The prototypes that we're having made were built in Shenzhen. Yeah, and Shenzhen recently, in the last month, completely closed down. Yep, China has a zero tolerance COVID policy, and they shut down this gigantic city. And, and it put and a everything ton of back, factories. you know, a yeah. So I know people are frustrated, but all I can tell you is as, as a trade association, we're doing everything we possibly can. We're working very closely with Apple, Google, Microsoft, uh, you know, on, on getting uh, the right things into the operating systems. And there were companies, uh, there were small, innovative companies. My, one of my favorites is Embodme, which is a, a company based out of France. And they actually downloaded the MIDI 2.0 specification from our website. They were not a MIDI Association member at the time. They downloaded a specification that Brett helped to write. They read a, a, that PDF and they implemented the the new UMP messages and MIDI 2.0 protocol inside of their device. So they are just waiting for the, the ability to have things to connect to. So again, I think we're really on that cusp. I believe we'll see a few MIDI 2.0 products probably at the June Nam show. But what I'm really looking forward to is I'm looking forward to 2023, which will be the 40th anniversary of MIDI, and when I think you'll start to see really start to see a lot of MIDI 2.0 products hitting the market.
1: That's exciting. So let's talk a little bit about these products. And obviously, we don't need to get super specific about uh, you know things that aren't public yet. But what kind of features, capabilities are you seeing or imagining that you'll see in this new generation of products?
3: Well, I think one important thing to build on what what Athen was just saying is, you know, I've been involved the history of technology in the last you know 30 plus years is, is littered with the remains of proposed standards and specs that yeah. were based on people getting together and saying, wouldn't it be cool if we could do something that nobody asked for? Um, <laughs> and I think what a lot of the feature set that we're going to start seeing in early MIDI 2.0 products, especially are maybe not cool flashy things from the future, a lot of the things that are going to be built out are these kind of bread and butter things that every MI company's customer support team has been hearing complaints about for the past 30 years. Why can't my device do this? And uh, it was a big surprise to me when I started being involved in the uh, MIDI 2.0 working group, how much of the development was driven not based on, hey, I'm a developer and I want to do cool things. It's I got to get these the, the customers happier with our products at a lower cost to us. So a lot of the, the things that you're going to see are simple things like being able to have a device tell another device, here are the names of the presets that I have on me you know, so that instead of, you know, uh, you know, Athen was making fun of the DX7. I'm actually looking at my DX7 right now <laughs> on the other side of my office. Um, I love it for the past 35 years. And, but the problem is I have to, as a user, remember that when I'm connected to this piece of outboard gear, pressing preset number 17 does this. Whereas if I'm connected to something else, it means something completely different. So a new piece of gear coming out saying, okay, I'm, I'm connected to a rack mount synth and I'm gonna pull up Pull up a preset by its name, not having to memorize its number, um, is that something cool? Yeah, it actually kind of is, if you think about it in the context of things. So you know, that's well, one and, flavor of thing. And just to um, just
1: to just to expand on that for a second, Brett, um, it's amazing that in some ways you guys are fighting the tide of built-in obsolescence, right? So this is a little bit of a different cultural approach to technology. You want to make the synths that everyone loves that have this amazing sound that, you know, even, you know, everyone everyone making Outrun and, you know, um, Hyperpop today, uh, you know, are in love with as well. And instead of just saying, oh, well, you know, whatever, good luck. um, You guys are building this infrastructure that will embrace those. And then whatever comes in, you know, the 2030s, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. It's very different from many other realms of consumer tech, at least.
2: Yeah, I, 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 wanted, I want to uh, piggyback on what Brett said, because the, the, the interesting thing there, we, we have what we call the three P's of, of, of MIDI capability inquiry, which is what MIDI 2.0 is based off, which is that question, can you do something new? And, and out of the three Ps, without getting into the technical aspects of it, uh, what Brett was talking about is called property exchange. That will run over a five-pin DIN cable. You don't need to have the new high-resolution protocol to, to run two-thirds of the things that can be done with MIDI 2.0, don't need the new MIDI 2.0 high-resolution protocol. That was a very conscious decision on the part of the MIDI Association to try to include as many improvements to MIDI 1.0 devices as we could possibly do in making it not a hard break between MIDI 1.0 and MIDI 2.0, but just making it more MIDI. Uh, that's that. That has been our mantra. It's not like there's not MIDI one and MIDI two. There's just more MIDI, and so for example, uh, it is possible. I think one thing you will see, uh, you know, in the in the in the in the near future, is people using parts of 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 MIDI two point For example, what we call property exchange, and using that to proxy something like a DX seven, and so you could. Plug in your DX7 and have a little piece of software that said, oh, this piece of software understands MIDI 2.0. So I'm going to pull up the list of uh, uh, programs from the DX7 and display it to the user. Or maybe I'm going to use property exchange, get and set device state, real technical term. But all that means is you would be able to proxy that DX7 and take everything that's in that DX7 and store it inside of a DAW in the project file. Now, Software synths have been doing that for years, but wouldn't it be cool if you could add that kind of functionality to a device that that had been around for almost 40 years now which would be the DX7 again adding the adding the ability to add the new to the old is is kind of one of the main things that MIDI 2.0 is is about but then you get into MIDI 2.0 high resolution protocol and there are areas that I think uh, will be very exciting. I think that the, the high resolution on MIDI 2.0 opens out the ability for MIDI 2.0 to actually have the resolution that you need to control a digital mixer. I'll give you a great example. It, uh, on an EQ on a digital mixer, you, know, you can go from 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz. Well, guess what? That's more than 127 steps. Well, with MIDI 2.0, we can get each one of those frequencies and represent them in the MIDI 2.0 protocol, so you can actually do that. We we did a, a demonstration of the difference between 127 steps of a moving fader and the four, over 4 billion steps of a moving fader with MIDI 2.0. It also ties into the fact that control voltages are really popular now, and if you convert Control voltages into MIDI 2.0 messages, you're going to get a much more, much smoother analog-like a response in terms of what comes out of uh, out of those controls. So, I think there's there's kind of two things. There's there's the taking the old and adding new to it, and then there's these these really insane possibilities for expression uh in new areas uh with controlling video uh, we're, we're looking at controlling pan tilt and zoom cameras with a, a MIDI 2.0 control which would give you very fine-grained resolution on pointing your camera there are there are MIDI controlled pan, pan tilt zoom cameras out there uh and and so that, that that there are some kind of new industry areas that we're really excited about.
1: Yeah, that's that's fascinating to think about how, at least how musical. I mean, I guess MIDI can can obviously exist totally divorced from audio, um, but it's interesting to think about how MIDI might help integrate musical experiences with other experiences. You know, have you have you? What do you guys think about about that aspect?
3: Um, well, that's actually something that Artifon is getting involved in a lot recently. Um, where we have you know, one group within the company who's building out our infrastructure, not just you know, tr- traditionally we've been thought of as a company that makes small, cool MIDI controllers, but we're releasing you know, smartphone apps that, for instance, we have a, a new app that's out now called Orbicam, which is the entire synthesizer and audio looping MIDI engine from our Orba controller. Um, inside of a smartphone, but tied into the camera. And it's a musical camera. So as you play music, you're applying visual effects to what's coming through the camera into video as well. So, you know, people who are putting videos up on, on Instagram and TikTok can not just make a video, but they can make a musical video that's a video that is music. And everything is all tied together and it's all touching each other.
2: Yeah, Brett, that is a great transition to the MIDI Innovation Awards, because if I'm not oh. mistaken, didn't you enter the Orbicam in the MIDI Innovation mm-hmm. Awards
3: for 2022? Exactly correct. Yes, we, we have entered that <laughs> and have great hopes.
1: <laughs> no no swaying the judges were here, right? I mean, who, who actually judges the Innovation Awards, Athen?
2: Uh, yeah, so we we have a we actually have a great group of judges. Uh, Yuri, Yuri Suzuki, who works for Pentagram, uh, Yuri Suzuki has done a lot of things in the industry. Uh, he recently, for the fiftieth anniversary of Roland, it, it is Roland's fiftieth anniversary. They're a MIDI Association member. Uh, he did the the three hundred three eight hundred eight studio. Uh, so he actually developed an online uh, web browser that allows you to go on and have a, a, a TR8, a 303, and I think an SH101. Very, very cool part of the 50th anniversary. He's a, he's a judge. Uh, Kate Stone, uh, who is the chairman of the executive board, uh, who has a company that uh, does, um, Novalia does, um, they t- use conductive ink to make uh, MIDI products. Uh, so they have done uh, things where they did a um, they did a paper mat. That was used in uh, a Pizza Hut in, I think, in uh, in France, where you could turn it into a DJ controller. So a piece of paper that became a DJ controller. So pretty interesting stuff. I
1: mean, I don't mean to be uh, snobby, but that feels like I'm
2: kind of wasted on Pizza Hut. But that's amazing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, they also they also did it for DJ Qbert. So they they, yeah. did, they they've done some. They've, they've done some done pretty some amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Um, H- Helen Lay is there. John Kao, who was a uh, who taught. Innovation at Harvard. Um, I'm not going to remember the names of all of the, all of them. Oh, um, actually, Moldover is going to be a judge this year. He is the godfather of controllerism, and he has agreed to be a judge. So we have an amazing group of of, of people. Um, and you know, if you want to, I, I this is my shameless plug. You know, Go if you want it. to, <laughs> if you want to join the MIDI Innovation Awards, or if you want to know anything about uh, MIDI at all. Uh, just go to uh, midi.org, www.midi.org. It is the centralized place for all information about MIDI. And we not only have the almost 100 companies who are corporate members, but in the last five years, we've really reached out. And now we have over 45,000 people who are signed up as individual members of the MIDI Association. It's free to join as an individual member. And all that means is, you give us your email address. When you give us your email address, you can download all of the specifications for free because MIDI has been and always will be free. It's a very interesting thing the way that MIDI works because we we have a group of, of people like Brett who volunteer their time every week to develop these specifications and they're really targeted to developers. You know, it's really super geeky propeller head stuff. But once that is done uh, and once the specifications are vetted and we know they'll work and MIDI Association members test them and prototype them, then we open that out to the world and anybody can download the specifications and anybody can make anything they want with it. So the MIDI Association is a very interesting as a As an organization, I think it's a very interesting organization. It's very democratically run. So, uh, you know, if you're a $600 company or you're Apple, you have one vote in the media association. So there's no, you know, there's no difference in power, whether you're a small company or a large company. And the other thing is we're very democratic and kind of open source in a way because once we finish the specification, we open it out and anybody in the world can use MIDI, and that's one of the great things about MIDI is it it allows people to take things and do very hackable stuff, which is what the MIDI Innovation Awards is all about. I mean, we have—if you go and look, there there's just some just some super interesting things that are being done, um, you know, by acad- people in the academic community, by artists who are who are developing things that where they can they connect MIDI from plants. Right. So, oh, they, yeah. they 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 attach they attach sensors to plants and then use that to generate MIDI messages and then they translate that into music. So, you know, the, the spectrum of things that are possible with MIDI is it's just uh, it's just a very, very large tent. It's a very big village with a lot of interesting people in it.
1: It sounds like it. And. Um, the examples of Artifon and Novalia really point to uh, something we talk a lot about on this podcast, which is that music isn't just in its own silo anymore. It's really seeping into experiences in all sorts of unexpected places and ways um, and, well, while keeping an incredible artistic, you know, uh, integrity of its own. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, gentlemen, this is one of my favorite parts of the podcast. This is when we get to get a little sci-fi. And I'm wondering, and this can be, you know, within the realm of MIDI uh, or somewhere wildly outside of it, but what, um, what, would, what do you dream um, will come of some of these developments? Like, where do you see some of these things going? What do you wish we would see in music tech? Um, whether it's we're talking about controllers or other kinds of experiences or sounds, just uh, anything that's on your mind that you're like 20, 30 years from now, I really hope we have this. What do you guys think? Brett, you want to start? Do you mind?
3: Yeah. And, and some of it is what I would like to see, and some of it is what I think is going to happen, whether I like it or not. Um, <laughs> well, maybe and, if you
1: say um, it, you'll prevent it.
3: <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> so I, I think one thing that, that's clearly, I mean, it's already starting throughout you know, every, every be- manner of art and business right now. But the incursion of artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, giving even better capabilities To the MIDI protocol is going to allow both, you know, really great advances in using MIDI tools and machine learning to analyze and understand music and therefore be able to turn that back around and generate music. Um, There was at the Audio Developer Conference in 2019, there was a fascinating keynote um, from a, a developer who was working in France on artificial intelligence song generation. And you know the the goal there is to you know pass the Turing test. Can can a machine write a song that a person listening to it wouldn't know that that's how it was generated? And uh, we're gonna, a lot more is going to go on with that. And I think some of that's going to be benign and even awesome, and some of it is as a composer and musician kind of scary and threatening. Um, but that's living in the 21st century, I guess. Um, and from my point of view as a as a practitioner, what I'm really excited about is, again, these new high-resolution messages where it's not even just that they're just high-resolution or high-speed, it's that you can attach a great amount of information about each individual node event now. Um, and at, working at a company that designs novel MIDI controllers, the opportunities to develop new types of playing surfaces that give humans abilities that are not, that are not directly derived from trying to mimic an acoustic instrument, um, you know, the piano keyboard is awesome. I love it, but building synths strictly on that foundation is limiting. And there's going to be a lot of people, you know, my kids' age and younger, who are going to invent things that are, are just unimaginable right now, but we're building the, the tools that are going to let them do that in a, a standardized way. So they're not like, you know, Leonardo da Vinci out having to grind his own pigments to do his paintings, you know, build those tools for them so they can invent.
1: And that's, for me, the most exciting place where AI could come into the mix, especially if you have these higher resolution messages and lots of data about each note event, as you put it, being transmitted. Or I, I mean, instead of just – I mean, the generative side is, is fascinating, but there's also just the AI as like – wingman or co-pilot <laughs> side of things that I find really intriguing, like AI as as um, AI maybe even as like an extension of the human body. But that, that's probably a different podcast that we're well, talking I about think here. like
3: like a power tool or like a you know a big piece of construction gear. Sure, you could go out, you know, metaphorically you go out and dig a hole but with a shovel, but having you know a giant caterpillar backhoe gives you different capabilities absolutely w- what what can we build that lets us leverage human wisdom and intelligence and imagination
2: yeah a, f- a 5 year old and da vinci both used the same thing which is a paintbrush but the the results are sometimes different absolutely so I have, I have two things if we're talking about, uh, and I will, I will say that these sound like sci-fi, but I believe that they, and just like AI, I think the impact of AI in the next five years is going to be uh, incredible. Uh, and certainly 10 years from now, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to imagine what will be happening with AI. Uh, but I will pick two things and, and uh, I'll say them first and then explain each, each one of them. Uh, so the the first is sequencers in the metaverse. <laughs> um, I think that there is going to soon be a a, a world uh, where people will be using uh, you know VR goggles and they will be going into virtual studios that will be interconnected over the internet, and and people will be collaborating together and playing actual. Vir- when I say a virtual instrument, I mean a real virtual instrument in a real virtual world. I I, I think that is going to happen because l- there are a lot of large companies who are sinking tons and tons of money into virtual reality, and... The reality is, the the other reality is that the musical instrument industry, we are simply not large enough to drive those changes, but we are really good at taking advantage of of things that happen in the bigger technology universe and bending those and morphing them to our means and will. <laughs> so you know if you look if you look at the development of virtual, you know, virtual instruments on the computer, computers were not designed initially really that the intent of putting the CPU power in that computer was not to be allow people to be able to play a virtual orchestra that that Really, very, very closely mimicked a a, a, a real orchestra by using um, you know note articulations and reproductions and and deep sampling of actual instruments. But the reality is, is that musical instrument companies are very creative, and so they took that CPU power and they used that. I think the same thing will be true with with sequencers. Uh, i think the first step is probably just you know the the, the growth of online daw collaboration there there's a uh, there's a company that has applied to the midi innovation awards that is talking about ways that you can collaborate with daws online so that that's mm-hmm. going to come in the next two to three years but yeah. i think probably within 5 to 10 years you're going to see that and actually i'm doing uh the second one is autumnus vehicles which seems like a real far stretch but I live about an hour from Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I believe that within 3 to 5 years when I get stuck in a traffic jam on the 405 on the way to the 110 cuz that's what we do in California we say <laughs> the 405 to the 110 yeah. um when that happens I will be able to sit in my car, which I will no longer be driving, and I will look and I will have a giant screen in front of me and I can make the decision on whether I want to play a game or whether I want to play a musical game or whether I want to connect with somebody uh, using the internet and collaborate to write a song. That kind of sounds like, uh, you know... I always use the phrase from, from the Steely Dan song. It kind of sounds like two hours from New York to Paris underground by rail. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think it is. Amazing. Uh, I believe that uh, you know autonomous vehicles are coming. Electric vehicles are coming. And electric vehicles are interesting because electric vehicles will definitely happen first. And people will be sitting in their car. Then they'll have to charge it for two hours. And a car is a really amazing uh, uh, space uh, in terms of audio, uh, because you have in in modern cars you may have a pair of speakers right by your head, and you might have two or two to to eight speakers in the front panels, and a bunch of speakers in the back panels, and they can do all sorts of things because. The designer of the car has complete control over everything in that um, in, the, in that audio environment. Mm-hmm. They control everything, and they have actually lots of DSP to do really interesting stuff. Uh, you know, D- Dolby, uh, Audio Kinetics, Bose; these are all audio companies that are very involved. Uh, analog Devices, probably one of the biggest. Who all of those? Most of those. People are our MIDI Association members. And that's a really interesting space. And it's really interesting because, you know, we're all from the musical instrument industry. And one of the things we want to do is expand our industry into those colliding worlds. Uh, you know, the, the MIDI Association has the uh, Interactive Audio Special Interest Group, which, which is very focused on, on the game industry and so represents audio to the game industry and they have, since 1994, they've been a special interest group of of the Midi Association. We have a special interest group now that is very focused on Midi and music education. So we have a, a, a number of initiatives. We have another one, which, which uh, Artifone is actually, you know, very involved with because it's focused on Midi with music therapy. One of the things that happened in the pandemic is pe- people who are doing music therapy for children could no longer go in to the hospitals because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so we donated as a trade association, we donated $30,000 last year to the Children's Music Fund to help them to bring music therapy using things like the 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 Artiphone Orba uh, because that's a great way for people to be able to, to interconnect um, over over the internet using MIDI, so
1: it's super fun to imagine cars and also just other interior spaces like that. We could play a room together, <laughs> <Absolutely>.
2: <laughs> you know.
1: And it sounds like that is not um, that's that's a that's a dream I've had for a long time is to be able to go into a room and just like play music with someone with with very little else um, in terms of like visual uh, in terms of actual controllers that you have to hold. You could do it all gesturally, like kind of going back to the. To the oldest form of human um, movement and music making, but in like a completely <laughs> re- rethought way. I don't know. This is really awesome. Thanks both of you for the time and the the thoughts and uh, sharing everything you guys know about MIDI. Where else, so along with MIDI.org, are there any other places where people can go? And NAM, for those of you going to NAM, um, any other last thoughts that we want to share with everybody about where, where people can find out more about MIDI?
2: yeah we really we try to drive people to midi.org. we want it to be the centralized place for for information and you know uh, reach out to us there we try to be very transparent and open and uh, you know if you we have a forum there if you ask a question we'll try to respond to it uh, you know there there are plenty of places to uh, to interact with it um, and if you send an email to info at MIDI org um, I, I will probably get it and I can try to respond as quickly as possible. Awesome. We, we try to communicate with people. Obviously, we can't communicate with all of the millions of people that use MIDI, but we, we try to be intelligent about, about you know being open to, to suggestions from, uh, from people because you never know where the next innovation is going to come from. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, both of you. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology
0: the way the earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect
2: with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And find me, Dmitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye.